Hello and welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, episode 265. I'm your host, Vince. This is Atomic Radio Hour, the post-nuclear podcast, the show that dives into the wreckage that is post-apocalyptia. Like I said, I'm your host, Vince, and I hope you're doing well. You look fantastic, as always. You look beautiful. What are you doing differently? Because you, you just look good, man. Good enough to eat. Let that ass up with some butter. Anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, real quick, I just want to say, I don't know if I spoke about this last week or not. Still don't have my laptop, and it's going to be a lot to fix it. Figured out what it is, and my OS just died. Windows 10 just died. The place that I'm going to bring it to, that I've been bringing it to, wants to charge me to do it, and I know how to do it. It's not a hard thing to do. It's just, I'd rather pay someone to do it to make sure that it's done correctly. But other than that, there's some things I want to talk about for you today. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about why we're remaking, remastering games and what that means. I want to talk to you about one of the a small town in Boston. And then we'll wrap it up nicely. So starting off, I want to talk about this thing that Kyle sent me the other day. That if you follow me or you follow Atomic Radio Hour on Twitter or X, whatever. That, I'm not calling it X. Um... Whatever. If, where, if you follow me anywhere, you've probably seen this. And I want to read this real quick for you. This comes by way of Next Gen Player on, on Twitter. Uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion remake and development at Vitrus Games, according to a new rumor, making use of Unreal Engine 5 and expected release by the end of 2024 or early 2025. Now from Xfire. Uh, this is from Xfire. This is written by... Ray, every time. It's always a writer with a name I can't pronounce. Ampoliquio? Uh, an unexpected leak from a verified and reliable source suggests Vitruous Games is reviving Elder Scrolls for Oblivion for modern consoles. Vitruous Games' former employee can't seem to stop leaking information about its projects. The Singapore-based studio involved in the remake of Metal Gear Solid 3 was leaked by a former employee's LinkedIn page. It took years before Konami confirmed this with the game's announcement earlier this year. Now, a former employee has deliberately dropped intel about what the studio is working on, which appears to be a remaster of Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. While Skyrim is the best-selling game in the franchise and one of the best-selling single-player titles of all time, Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion holds a special place in the hearts, special place in the hearts of longtime fans. Unfortunately, it hasn't aged too well. Unless heavily modified, Oblivion doesn't hold up compared to Skyrim. But what game holds up to a game from five, ten years ago? Very rarely does that genuinely happen. If you want to read any of these. Uh, any of these articles, it'll be linked in the description. I never played Oblivion. I remember someone let me borrow their Oblivion and Bioshock disc, I believe it was. And I played a, I played Bioshock, and I think Bioshock is a fine game, if not a little overrated. I played Oblivion because someone had told me that if I loved Fallout 3, then I would love Oblivion. Because it's, it's Fallout without guns. I played Oblivion, got past the rats, and then it just never took me. Something about it I just didn't really jive with. I just never really liked it. So I'd like to play this. I just hope this isn't a uh, Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition, 
where it's GTA 3, GTA San Andreas, and GTA Vice City, and the game looks like ass. All of the things are done using... All the assets are done upscaling with AI, and half the jokes are lost, and CJ looks like a hunchback the entire game because they don't know how to... They didn't know how to make it where he could aim or get on a bike or something. I'm excited to see this, like I said, because I've never really played Oblivion. I have a friend who sadly passed away who loved Oblivion, and when Skyrim came out, played the hell out of Skyrim, but kept saying that Oblivion was better, and I disagreed. Then again, I only played about an hour of it, and I remember playing it and people messaging me while I was playing going, man, that's such a good game. Have you played it before? You're in for such a treat. Like, all this stuff, right? And I just, I don't know. I just didn't, it didn't gel with me. I'm not really one for fantasy. I have had the itch to go play Skyrim. And that might just be because I want to walk around in, like, snow-covered areas and with a big axe. And I just want that experience again, I think. I think the cold needs to come back. But I, I want to see how this goes because I, I, I think that they should be doing this for Fallout as well. Like, if this works, they should be doing it. I think they should be doing it for Fallout regardless because Fallout. I, I looked at it today. Skyrim has sold 60 million copies, Fallout 4 has sold 21 million copies. Now, the Skyrim number gets inflated a little bit. From what I remember hearing a while back, because they sold 360s with Skyrim. And I don't know if that counts all the times that Skyrim was downloaded because it was a free game on, like, a launcher or some shit. That's what I'm saying, Cap. If, if they wind up doing the same thing where... Cap brings up a really good point that if they outsource this to another, another company and Skyrim being as big as Skyrim is, like I just said, 60 million copies... They give it to another company, and the other company botches it the same way that Grove Street Games, which is a studio that doesn't even exist anymore. If they botch it the way Grove Street Games did, like that's tarnishing the legacy of Skyrim. And that's why I think they should do this with 3 in New Vegas, because one, those games are built pretty much on the same skeleton. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a skin, a skin swap, but it's built on a lot of the same framework, obviously. And if you can just bring that over, Fallout 4 didn't sell. It sold about 60 million, or excuse me, I'm sorry. It sold about 40 million copies less than Skyrim. But if you remake these games and they look new, they look pretty, they, they, they handle a little better, maybe people will go and buy Fallout again. Maybe that's the strategy with this, though. Maybe the strategy is make Oblivion, do a good job with Oblivion, remake 3, remake new vegas people are buying these other games but also i don't know i kind of think they should have went with morrowind because i feel like even less people have played morrowind but morrowind has so much to it that's like a true rpg like morrowind and again i haven't played it but everything i've watched and heard about it morrowind feels like DD. like morrowind you walk around and there's no map it's very much you have to go to this town it's to the north and then you figure out, like, I don't know if there's fast traveling, but you could also mix spells together. So you can make a spell that just instantly kills you, or you can make a spell that makes you jump 40,000 feet in the air. And then it has feather fall, so you, you can just traverse the map by jumping like the Incredible Hulk. I'm excited to see this because it means that they're opening up to the idea of remaking and remastering.
I'm excited to see this because I'm excited to see how this is going to lead up for Fallout stuff. We're not getting another Fallout until the 30s. Like, I'm just, I've come to that point. Like, I just, it is what it is. I, I, what, what are we going to do? We're not getting another mainline Fallout game until the 30s. So, we're getting Starfield at the end of this year. We're getting Elder Scrolls 6 in, like, four or five years. And then we're getting, in about 10, probably, like, I wouldn't be surprised, 2022, or 2032, 30-30, uh, we'll be getting another one. That means... Two years from now, two years as of me recording this, like almost a little more. It's like two years and two months. No, whatever. Like three months, four months is is Fallout 4 turning 10. A decade of Fallout 4, a decade of a voice protagonist, a decade of just me wanting a little more. It's a good game. Never said it wasn't a good game. It's just, you know it's just, I want to see this. And I'm going to talk about in the third segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about the TV show and what was leaked and what's been talked about and just kind of where I am right now with the TV show. But like, we're going to get that TV show. Let's hope that TV show gets six, six seasons, right? Six seasons in a movie. And hopefully it does well. Hopefully it, it holds everything up. Hopefully it does something positive. But how much can I live off of a TV show when I want to be immersed in a world actually like i want to actually explore the world i actually want to root around i actually want to find things that's just my take i'm excited for this i want to see what this holds for the future i want to get into this week's lore and before i can get into this week's lore i have to thank some people currently the episode you're listening to is being filmed live in front of a studio audience which is captain lennox hello captain lennox in the description there's a link to the patreon and if you like the show there is a tier called the Film Live for a Studio Audience where you get to watch these episodes get filmed live in the Discord every single week about 8.30, between 8.30 and 9 Mountain Standard Time is when I start recording. There's a smaller tier where your voice can be heard when we do the lore for the week. Patreon also picks the lore. You could change your tier at any point in time. I'd love to have you hang out. I'd love to have you be a part of it. If you like the show, the best way to support is just to show it to a friend. But there are some people that I have to thank that support directly from Patreon. And starting from the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you to Mellow Millhouse. And last, but certainly not least, I have to thank the one, the only fellow who live in front of the studio live part of the studio audience tonight captain lennox thank you to captain lennox because of you guys the show continues to grow and get bigger and better every single week thank you now for this week i went to the patreon and, and i wanted to talk about a town i like now that i'm getting footage for these events these places these things in fallout that i can kind of just walk around a town and one of my favorite towns ever in any fallout for a very various amounts of reasons is novak i really just love the fact that novak is a hotel uh like a little motel area and that there's like a surrounding area and like workbenches. i really really love novak to the point where i don't even use the lucky 38 on my playthroughs anymore i just buy the room and I use that no matter if I take Boone or what I do with Gina Mae Crawford. Like, none of that matters. I just go to Novak. I have the room. I have my stuff kind of placed. I love the idea of, like, 
I hang out here, I live here, I do stuff here. Like, I love Novak. And another thing that I wanted to do was a town that I don't really know anything about. So I never did Preston Garvey's quest line. He's like one of the few companions I never did. And because of that, I never really learned the story of Quincy. I knew from friends telling me and what have you. But I wanted to know what Quincy meant in Fallout 4. So this week I went to the Patreon, and if you want to hear any lore, and I mean any lore whatsoever, join the Patreon. Because even at the smallest dollar amount per month, your voice is heard in every week's poll when I ask what the lore should be. And this week, by way of Patreon, comes to us the lore on Quincy from Fallout 4. Now right before the Great War... Quincy was a small town in Massachusetts that was predominantly known for being the home of John Adams, the second president of the United States of America. John Quincy Adams, who was the sixth president of the United States of America. And John Hancock, a signer of things. Pre-war, the town became kind of the victim of awful zoning. And they put a freeway directly over the town. And when you go there, which I'll get into a little bit later why this is important when you go there you see this this nice town and then over it is just a highway and that must be awful for sound also i don't know how it is outside of the u.s but highways are just kind of dirty like if you're in kansas and there's nothing but road for the next entire state ahead of you a, a, a six seven eight hour drive people just throw shit out of the car like they'll just take bottles and candy wrappers and jars of piss and just toss it out the window so imagine living there, and all of a sudden, and a, and a candy bar, half a snicker, just gets thrown at you and lands on your daughter's melon. It's not even just things being thrown, but it's also air pollution. It's noise pollution. There's cars that are going there that are now exerting fumes into the air, and that's right above a city, and that's noise that now the city has to take. I used to live directly in in route of a of a airline so you would just see and hear that all the time but you just kind of grow numb to it because it's there but also this would block out the sun for how much of the day so the town is just colder but also is it hotter because of the fumes either way it's it's a shitty situation all the way around post-war because of its location it became a thriving settlement and a hotbed for trade and the Gunners saw that as well and wanted control of the town as well. Now, the Quincy Massacre, which you may, you may know about if you've played these games before. Mama Murphy, who we have to talk about briefly, who's a psyker. She's one of the only psychers in modern games. I don't know if there is one in 76, but the only one that I can think about... There's one in every game, every modern game so far. Three has the Antagonizer... New Vegas has the forecaster, the psychic kid, and now this one has Mama Murphy. There are people with psychic abilities. I believe the first time they show up is in Fallout 2. And she has the sight. And she can see things that are about to happen in the future. And she has... She has a, a, a psychic vision. She, she uses the sight to see an attack and foretold it to the mayor of Quincy, Mayor Jackson. And Mayor Jackson calls up the Minutemen. And there's a few things I want to read real quick directly off the wiki. I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, Vanukapedia, if you will. Now, you can find a paper note just called Mama Murphy's Note in Quincy. 
And it says, I sent surges to talk to Mayor Jackson about what I saw with the sight. I mixed up another cocktail and I can feel it starting to take hold. Want to see if getting the mayor to call call for his help changes the vision. Sturges and Jackson have been trying to get me to stop using, but they haven't seen the things I have, so I've hidden my stash out of the balcony in case they come over while I'm still under. I have a feeling we're going to need the sight again if we're going to make it through this. You can actually overdose Mama Murphy by continuously using the sight. My one playthrough that I actually used it on, I only used it once, and it's during a courser fight, and I just won the courser fight because I gave her drugs. This is from Jun Long, uh, his terminal entry. I can't believe Mayor Jackson is actually trying to get the Miniman out here based on Mama Murphy's drug-crazed hallucinations. Marcy tried to explain to him that she's just an old loon and we've been refusing to sell her chems anymore. But she's even got Sturgis convinced. Now we're going to have to to board and feed a bunch of freeloaders with laser muskets for nothing in return. Kyle's all excited. I'm going to have to break it to him that the Minutemen aren't actually like the stories they heard. And then there's another entry just called She Was Right, again on Jun Long's terminal, that says, I can't believe it. She was actually right. Sloan and Irma were working, making repairs to the walls, and saw them sneaking around the, that old warehouse. She tried to scare them off, but they're still advancing on the monorail stairs. Then, just when it looks like they're going to break through, the Minutemen actually show up and drive them off. They're led by uh, Colonel Hollis, and Kyle's completely awestruck. Said he is going to join them when he gets older, and has been following them around like a puppy. A group of Minutemen show up to Quincy with, like I said, Colonel Ezra Hollis leading them. Because of their early arrival, they fortified the town pretty successfully. Mayor Jackson actually allows them to use their house as a barracks as a thank you for showing up. All is well and good, but Colonel Hollis, Colonel Hollis's group was just way too small. He sent numerous calls for reinforcements, but no one ever called back. To combat this, Colonel Hollis fortified the tops of houses, hoping to just have gunners' supplies run out. So this is, a, this is a tactic that I actually really like. He said, I see the writing on the wall. I see that I'm too small. I, I understand what's happening here. And there's only one thing I can really do, and that's play the waiting game. I feel like in any sort of, in any sort of military combatants, there's, there's two options. Kill them immediately. Do the Mike Tyson. Just as soon as they're in front of me, they're no longer in front of me because I've taken them out. Or wait them out and starve them. Like just just starve them out as long as, long as I can. And that's kind of his plan here. Now there's a, t a terminal entry here. This is from Sturges. This is just says the Minutemen. Colonel Hollis rolled in with the Minutemen yesterday. And man, did they ever get here in the nick of time. Took those gunners from behind and had them running for the hills. Marcy's been making a fuss about how few showed up, but the colonel's assured us that others will come. In the meantime, Preston has been helping Sloan and me reinforce the walls. Shame that power armor's on the fritz again. Sure would be a help carrying all that lumber. There's also a, a terminal entry here from Colonel Hollis setting up defenses. Looks like we got here just in time. We ended up taking a group of gunners from behind as we came into town. Took out about a third but at least a dozen ran off. Mayor Jackson was practically in tears when we came up. Even let me use his own house as a barracks. 
gotta say, it's nice to find the Minutemen welcomed. Like we were back in the old days for a change. Preston's been helping them get some better walls up. And the town's mechanic has been invaluable. He even has a couple of suits of power armor. If he can get them up and running, it'd be a huge help. We don't have near enough manpower to hold the town if the gunners return in force. But I can't tell anyone that. I sent out word to get reinforcements from other Minutemen out there. I hope at least Colonel Mawberry will be willing to help. Hear that, kids? In Fallout 4, for some reason, you don't need power armor training. Status report from Colonel Hollis. Uh, last terminal entry I'm going to read for a minute is a status report from Colonel Hollis. We've been getting the walls in pretty good shape and filled the stairwell at the monorail platform. I've had Sturges working on getting some walkways set up across the rooftops. Figure if they manage to breach the wall, we may be able to retreat up there for a counterattack. The gunners attack almost daily now, but we've got food and supplies enough that we can probably wait them out. Unfortunately, my call of reinforcements has been disappointing. Not a single person has shown up. Now I have to talk about a man, a very bad man, ironically a uh, Benedict Arnold, if you will, a man by the name of Clint, a 10-year veteran of the Minutemen, betrays his fellow Minutemen just to join the gunners, and he was placed in charge of the Quincy Raid. As you can probably imagine, the Minutemen lost in a pretty devastating fashion. The town was fortified on the ground, but not so much from above. And remember how I said that there was the, the freeway that ran above them? Clinton the Gunners blew up a part of the overpass and used it as an entrance to the roofs and the streets of Quincy. And now they had a position where they can shoot from. They had covering fire. Now, when the gunners got to the streets and started destroying what was there, what was of Quincy, they either killed or captured everyone in the camp. Anyone that they had captured, they lost because, of course, they did. They're, they're militaristic, violent scumbags. Preston Garvey led a group to Jamaica Plain, and, a, and the Gunners had killed off some of the follower, following as they followed them to Jamaica Plain. They also, uh, the Gunners also had been taken out by just the wasteland itself. Just the obstacles, be the, the, the rolling radiation storms or the monsters or the other raiders, that took a toll and they eventually gave up. The, the group made its way all the way up to Concord, and by that time there was only five people left. Preston Garvey, Mama Murphy, Sturges, Jun Long, and Marcy Long. Hollis was captured, Ca Colonel Hollis was captured and taken by gunners and executed by Clint, and this pretty much destroys the Minutemen. The sole survivor can ask, what was the... Quincy Massacre. And Preston Garvey says, I thought everyone in the Commonwealth knew about that, where the Minutemen betrayed each other and the other people they were supposed to protect. I was with Colonel Hollis's group. A mercenary group called the Gunners was attacking Quincy. The people there called for the Minutemen to help. We were the only ones that came. The other groups, they just turned their backs on us, on the folks in Quincy. Only a few of us got out alive. Colonel Hollis was dead, so I ended up in charge of the survivors. We never found a safe place to settle. One disaster after another. You saw it how it ended in Concord. Damn, Preston. Any other remaining Minutemen members disbanded and just kind of went out into the wasteland to start their own lives, maybe join other groups. Probably a few of them joined the Gunners. Just a quick note on what 
Colonel Hollis wrote in his terminal about Clint. He says, today's been a terrible turn of events. One of our own, a 10-year veteran named Clint, showed up at the gate. And at first, I thought he had come to tell us reinforcements were on their way. But turns out the bastard has changed sides. He apparently is leading his group of gunners who have been laying siege. He actually had the nerve to try to convince the mayor and me to stand down. I politely informed him that there was no that there was not a chance in hell of that happening and what I would do to his traitorous ass if he showed up again. If someone of his experience is leading them, better be ready for anything. A real, real just mess. It, it, it really be your own. Like, it always just is your own, dude. Like, it's always the people you love that always turn their back on you. Under the gunner control, Clint is then promoted to lieutenant and, and is placed in, in command of Quincy. Tessa and Sergeant Baker, are, they set up camps along the freeway. And because of doing this, they can set up a command. I'm sorry, they can set up communications between Quincy and the Galaxy News Network station building. The, the GNN Plaza, if you will. Now, I didn't know how to really write this in, so I want to I read it directly off the wiki. Again, I get all of my lore for Fallout at fandom.com. It's put in here, but I wasn't really exactly sure how to like incorporate this into the, the my notes. Clint knew that his subordinates were skeptical because of his past with the Minutemen, and that they would be disorderly because they were no longer in active combat. To try to curb this, he began to send out scout teams and had Tessa stationed far away from the main camp to avoid disruptive interference. With his troops arranged and becoming unruly due to this failure, Clint... Clint was forced to find another target to distract them, and he set their eyes on the Atom Cat garage, where the Atom Cats kept several suits of powered armor. Quincy's a really fun place, man. I remember finding it and just having a shootout and being like, ooh, this is fun. I enjoy this quite a bit. This is also where you get Tessa's Fist. Uh, I love Tessa's Fist. I had, like, a full maxed-out suit of power armor, which is this janky Raider power armor, but, like, major suit four times more durable. Due to Creation Club uh, paid mod called Warpaint, if this quest is complete, Warpaint... Quincy will be reclaimed by the Minutemen, and the Gunners will mostly no longer res respawn in Quincy. That's neat. Some notes, some behind-the-scenes stuff with you. In the far cell of the Quincy police station, you can find a skeleton who's been trying to tunnel out of his cell with a wooden spoon. When you get there and make yourself known, Clint starts to put himself inside of the power armor. If you take everybody out from a distance, you can actually stop Clint from getting inside of his power armor. If the sole survivor fast travels away from Quincy after killing Tessa, Clint, and Baker, but has not destroyed all of the remaining gunners, an entire area will respawn upon the survivor's return with a gunner lieutenant, gunner captain, and a Sultron dominator in their place. And it all varies depending on what level you are. Each one of your companions actually have some fun quotes to say when you get there. Uh, I'll read a couple of them off. Codsworth's when, when you're on the... Uh, freeway stronghold bridge will say i do hope this overpass holds out long enough long enough for us to get back down safely i should say at the southeast entrance curie can say i wonder if there's a monument to john adams here he was born in quincy you know john hancock can say at the southeast entrance quincy quincy's gunner territory at least for now preston garvey will say we gave the gunners a hell of a fight but we never really stood a chance there were just too many of them too few of us. 
And on the bridge, he'll say, once the gunners got up here, there was no way of defending the rest of Quincy. It's neat that it's a real-life place. It's neat that they added their own little lore of, like, oh, here, here's the overpass. We totally just, you know, destroyed the way this town works now. It's also just a fun little arcade shoot em up shot em up did em up down type thing. And I really, really, really like that about it. I remember finding Quincy late. Like, someone told me about it and going to it and just having fun shooting at people from the streets and the sky and the all over the place. It's really all I have for you this week, my friends, and that is this week's lore. Hey guys, welcome to segment number three, the segment where I just kind of hang out and talk about something. This week I want to talk about the Fallout show. We were talking about a little bit in the Discord. Join the Discord if you haven't. If you like the show in any capacity and want to just talk and hang out, join the Discord because I'm just I want to talk about the Fallout show. There was more leaks, and we were talking about it. it, 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 it someone I believe. It was Tom Flood. I believe it was. If, if I'm wrong, forgive me. But I believe it was Tom Flood brought up the fact that he believed he read somewhere that it had finished filming the Fallout show. And I don't remember if I had ever commented on that or not. Um, but I just want to bring it up here because it's done. As far as we know, it's done filming. They might do pickups later. But there's also a strike. So who the hell knows what's going on? Uh, you know, support the writer's strike because people are making nothing. And we've been binging content for the past three years. So the show is, is finished and it's coming out. And I there was a leak and I probably showed it already. And if I could find it, I'll show it again. But it's a leak of someone in like a ghoul mask. And it just didn't look impressive to me. And I get that they're going to doctor it up with CGI. And they're going to fix it with this and that. And who's he, what's it, whatever. But it just didn't capture me. Like it didn't seem... I think the problem is I'm going to be holding every single video game thing now up to the same lens that I held up The Last of Us. And The Last of Us is such a near-perfect video game to television. Like, it doesn't need to be, but it works because it's already so... Just that. It's already so cinematic that it works as a TV show. Like, that could have just come out as a TV show and it would have been... Like, you wouldn't have been like, oh, this would have made a great game. You would have been like, yeah, this is just a good narrative. And I just want... <laughs> I just want the show to be good. I don't want this to be the Halo show. I'm just kind of... I think I'm kind of preemptively taking a step away from it because I don't want to get my feelings hurt, as whack as that sounds. Like, I just want the show to be good. I want the show to be... I want the show to be as as good as it could be because like my mom who had watched my brother and I play The Last of Us growing up, she watched the show weekly. Like she got into it. Like the only time I remember her getting into a show like that was like for The Walking Dead like a, seven years ago, eight years ago, almost a decade ago. And like we, she was into it. We're like I was calling her the next morning, going like, "What did you think? What what what, what did you think? It's the it's the it's the best show on television right now," and. The Fallout show is the chance for me to not just get my mom to know what Fallout is by taking her to the DC meetup, but to, like, get her introduced to me. Like, this is the thing that I spend so much of my time on. This is the thing that I think about and I read the wiki for and, like, I, I, I make a show on YouTube and Spotify and all the other platforms that you can get a podcast on. Like, this is, this is my favorite thing and now it's in a show and they're taking it in this direction and doing it from this point of view. And... 
I, I, I think that's what's so cool about it is that for such a long time, video games were looked at as just a waste of time. And in the past, like, 10 years, they've slowly been looked at as art. And now it's kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, it's, it's like punk rock. Punk rock was, oh, it's just noise. And today I was listening to the Cramps' first album at work. And I was like, this is like silly, goofy rock and roll. Like, this is what you think rock and roll is if you don't know what rock and roll is. And... Like, it's cool that now moms and boomers and grandparents and what have you are going to be able to watch these things and be like, oh, this is based on a video game? Captain Lennox in the chat says, I'm tentatively hopeful there's quite a bit of potential. I agree with you. I do. I agree that there's quite a bit of, a pet, pet, there's quite a bit of potential. And the fact that the show could be, like around the fallout 2 era especially if they use the show to honestly smart move use the show to explain the first two games because most fans have only played fallout 4 and 76 do the so you know if they're not willing to play fallout 3 or arguably what is the best game in the series like from a fan perspective new vegas use the first two use the first two games as a motive to tell your television story like, maybe Walton Goggins playing a ghoul is him playing Harold. Like, maybe we're going to get to see him. Maybe the first episode is him falling into a vat of goo with uh, Richard Gray. And you see that he slowly becomes the master and Walton Goggins slowly becomes Harold or something like that. Like, I doubt that's what it's going to be. But I'm just saying, like, these are things that we could be doing to explain these games to, or at least the lore of that era, to newer fans. There's people that, like I said, have only played 4 and 76 and are going to play this, or excuse me, are going to watch this and, like, not understand who Tandy is. And I think if you're, like, a Fallout fan, I feel like it's almost essential you know who Tandy is. Like, if you had to know any character from the previous games, and I'm talking New Vegas, I'm talking Fallout 3, 1, 2, 3, New Vegas, you, you should know Tandy. In my opinion, that's you should know. That, yeah, that makes the most sense. She's responsible for so much expansion of the new California Republic. She's responsible for so much of the political debates within what later be like even what tandy does is affect affects dc affects the capital wasteland there's terminals i remember reading about people leaving navarro like she her hand is in everything as far as i'm concerned in the contiguous united states she has some sort of a purpose in every single spot even in like the middle of florida or like wyoming the middle of nowhere she has some sort of influence because the NCR continuously wants to expand West. And that was her policy. Tandy needs to be a big name in, in this. And I just, I, I'm, oh shit, I'm getting excited. I'm excited for the show. I'm just trying to stay back. I'm trying to just not get excited because hype kills things. It's the same thing I'm doing with Starfield, which comes out in like two months. And I really want to play Starfield, man. I, I, I might take the day off of work. I might switch my days around and just not go to work because I want to play Starfield. I want to sit in my, my living room with my headphones on and play Starfield and just soak in the universe, soak in the atmosphere. But let me know what you think. Leave a comment below on how, what you're thinking for the show. I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to have a conversation. Join the Discord if you get a chance. But that is pretty much everything I have for you 
this week. If you like the intro music, it's by the one and only Shane Ivers. You get all of his music at silvermansounds.com slash free music. And after that slash, if you throw in a feather duster, you can find the intro song to the program that should be playing right about now. I want to thank the Patreon again. Again, check out the Patreon if you like the show and want to see it get made every single week. $1 to the $10 tier, and you could change your subscription at any single moment. There's also a link in the description to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, and Kyle's Twitter. A uh, link to the Redbubble as well. I hope you guys are well. Join the Discord. Have a Come talk. Come have a good time. I love you. I hope you guys are well. I'll be seeing you next week. I love you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Cool. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. This has been a production made by your friends at Goldman Entertainment.